Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> Hello there. I'm delighted to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an interesting item. If you'll take a look over here, this is a piece of vintage, while I... I could say Americana. It didn't start in America. Of course, this is what is known as a troll doll. It is very old, quite old uh, in, in modern terms, but the Troll Doll, a product of Denmark, which was created in 1959, brought to the United States and was the one of the biggest fans of toys in the early 60s. Uh, they also became popular once again in the 70s through the 90s. There was a resurgence in the early 2000s, which spawned a redesign of the dolls and a couple of DreamWorks movies in 2016 and 2020. If you'll look at this particular troll doll, it is very characteristic. The big eyes, the wide dopey grin, the shock of brightly colored hair on this doll. Of course, this is what many children are raised to believe trolls to be, but oh no, no. Trolls are a subject of myth and legend and lore. In Old Norse and Middle High German, the word troll translates to fiend. And that is the curiosity we find in a new Netflix film. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, Troll. So... A brief little aside before we get started. Uh, I have been fascinated with trolls ever since I was a little kid. Any sort of creatures, monsters, goblins, orcs, trolls, all that stuff that uh, the things you read about in Tolkien's stories and in folklore and myth and legend and tales of fantasy all together. I've always been fascinated with these sorts of creatures. The kind of things you would find in that old... Uh, remember the old uh, TV commercials for the Enchanted World series of Time Life books, uh, Wizards and Witches, and it delved into the darker things of myth and folklore. Uh, those are the sorts of things I was always fascinated in, and trolls were, were heavily a part of that. I remember my best friend and I, he had a book. It was a children's book, but by God, thinking back, I wish I could find it somewhere you know I've, I've tried looking for it for years searching various things to, to try and find this book but it was a book about trolls and one of the sections in this book taught you how to do this ritual to turn somebody into a troll and I remember one dark Saturday night uh, my best friend and I lured his younger brother downstairs to the rec room and we proceeded to invoke this ritual that was in this children's book and the ritual ended with having the person you're turning into a troll in a sack as the people 
performing the ritual, uh, hold the sack and and dance around him or, or jump around with with the person being turned in the sack. We didn't have a sack, but we did have a pillowcase. And I can't remember how many times you were supposed to jump around, but uh, at some point before we got to the required number of jumps with the person in the sack, uh, we chickened out and decided that maybe turning uh, my best friend's younger brother into a troll wasn't the best idea. We'd probably get in trouble, and neither one of us was quite sure that if uh, the younger brother turned into a troll, uh, if he might not be a little upset and uh, possibly eat us uh, once turned into a troll. So <laughs> I, I say all that to say uh, there's been a, an interest in trolls and, and those sorts of creatures of fantasy that have, have always uh, interested me. So when I found out Netflix was doing this uh, movie called Troll, no relation to Troll Hunter, uh, from back in 2010, and also no relation to the 1986 uh, horror comedy troll. Uh, no, this is, uh, although this looks like it could be related to Troll Hunter, but Troll Hunter, and, and we'll kind of talk about that here in a minute, but this, uh, no relation to either one of those films. And I was kind of interested to see what this movie was going to be about. Uh, of course, directed by Roar Uthog. He directed, he's directed some Norwegian stuff, probably here in the United States, if you remember uh, the 2018 reboot of the Tomb Raider series. He's the one that directed that. He was also a part of the writing team on this. And I, I wanted to see what this is about. The trailer looked pretty good. And especially after watching Troll Hunter in, well, I didn't watch it. It came out in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. I think 2011 is probably when it hit the United States. And it was something where I, I probably didn't watch it when it first hit the States. Uh, I probably watched it maybe a couple, a few years later once I got Netflix streaming. So I probably watched it late, but I, I really dug this movie and I'm not a huge fan of found footage stuff, but I really liked this. I thought it was fun. It was kind of a fun mockumentary, uh, dark fantasy of, of trolls. And, and I loved how they unabashedly put it out there that trolls are actual beings and they're these giant creatures and we got to see the the workings of how these creatures exist within our world that we know. So I, I really love that and I thought this really kind of felt akin to that. I know it's not related in any way, shape or form, but I was kind of excited to see uh, see a director, see a filmmaker go back into that world where trolls are these giant beings that that are a part of our world and how would our modern world adapt to that? So we're going to kind of dive right into the story and what's going on. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the characters and I do want to warn you, I I'm going to try not to be too terribly spoiler. Uh, although there's really not a whole lot you can spoil with this. I mean, there's no big revelations 
throughout this. Maybe towards the end, but but we'll kind of talk. If you want to watch this and not have anything spoiled for you, you should probably watch this movie before you listen to my thoughts on it. Because I'm probably going to inadvertently spoil something for you. If that doesn't bother you, like I said, there's no big revelations in this. A couple minor revelations. And, and I am going to talk about those. And so if that doesn't bother you, I'm not going to talk about this beat by beat and scene by scene. That sort of deal, but we're going to talk about some of the big themes and some of the big plot points of this. So there are going to be some spoilers, so go watch the movie if you don't want that spoiled for you, and then come back and listen to my thoughts. But if not, we're going to keep on trucking along as we talk about Troll. So we start off this movie finding a younger version of our main character, Nora Tideman. She's with her father, Tobias Tideman, played by Gard B. Eiswald. They're mountain climbing, and they see this mountain that is supposedly, uh, due to folklore, created as seven trolls uh, were caught drunk, and the sunlight turned them all to stone and created this this large mountain range. But the, the story he's telling is all about... Uh, not going by what convention tells you and not what science tells you. Some things you just have to believe. And that kind of plays into the heart of of what the Nor character experiences later on. At which time we find Nor Tideman, played by Ina Marie Willman. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. But she's a paleobiologist. Uh, she is digging up fossils, essentially, in Norway. And this is one of the few scenes where we get some English. I mean, this is mostly spoken in the language of Norway. But uh, this is the one scene uh, where we, we get a lot of English. And you don't have to rely on subtitles or, or overdubs. But she gets called in by the government and the military because uh, earlier, um, in between, sandwiched in between these two scenes with older and younger Nora, we get this scene where the government is tunneling through a mountain for a railway system. And of course, you got protesters and the you know the the workers are are blowing up bits of the mountain and they they blow up uh, a portion of the the tunnel way and they go in to start clearing things out and all of a sudden there are rumblings and all of a sudden the mountain mountain explodes and people are getting crushed by rocks and it's not graphic it's not gory or anything like that but it is uh, it's intense it's an intense scene as this mountain explodes and the chaos of people running and nobody knows what happened here they suppose it could be gas pockets they suppose it could be erosion things of that nature but uh, Nora Tideman is brought in to help them figure out what happened. Now, it, it, it is kind of a, a stretch that if you're believing this is some geological event, why would you not bring in a geologist? If uh, paleobiologists uh, deal with fossils and, and things of that nature, deal with life. And if you don't believe this is a living creature that did this, why are you bringing in a paleobiologist and not a geologist? But uh, you know, there are some weak plot holes, uh, but nothing that really takes you too far out of it. Maybe I'm just not understanding what paleobiologists, uh, their their field of uh, expertise is completely, but that, that was kind of a after the fact. I'm like, well, wait a minute. But they bring her in, and this is one of the scenes, one of the few scenes where I, I really wasn't happy with the dialogue because they bring in the Nora character, and you've got the prime minister, all these military leaders and government officials, and she comes in there 
just, you know, swinging her dick, proverbially speaking. Uh, she comes in there, and at first she's like, oh, this is, a, is this a joke? And I'm like, well, the government brought you and the prime minister sitting there. No, it's not a fucking joke. It, it was ridiculous, and... And she kind of had this attitude like, I'm going to cowboy this meeting. And it, it just, it was probably some of the weakest dialogue of this because it just wasn't realistic. And and maybe, you know, this movie has some notes of not tongue-in-cheek, but self-awareness. It knows what it is. It's not trying to be too serious. Uh, but this whole scene... Uh, made me feel like this is uh, a Norwegian writer trying to write a big action blockbuster the way they think somebody in Hollywood, USA would write a big action blockbuster and the, the lead character would just come in there like a cowboy and and take over and show them what's what. And it just, it didn't feel realistic and it felt kind of hokey at times. But this is the real first scene that we get the notion uh, that this is a troll. We get to see these holes that are, are made in intervals along this, this flight of this drone uh, taking pictures, and nobody sees it but Nora, that well, these are footprints. And it is very typical of that kind of kaiju monster movie trope of all the leaders and all the scientists and all the, the people in charge uh, don't believe what the one lone, sometimes considered crackpot scientist or, or, or whatever, is pointing out to him as obvious. And you know, no one wants to believe what she's seeing uh, and what they're seeing, but they're just, you know, you're not willing to make the leap and say, yeah, that is a footprint. It, it, you know, it's kind of outside of their, their realm of thinking. But they get some footage and you kind of see this figure, uh, footage from the blast where the, the mountain exploded and you get to see this almost kind of bipedal humanoid figure in the the rock and the rubble that is blowing past the camera so we get our first notion that this is a a troll although you never really get a good look at it and that's kind of one of the things i, I liked is that they did hold off on showing you the troll for quite some time I, I wouldn't even venture a guess to say how far in you get before you actually see the troll. But but I like how they kind of held back a little bit. And then they had that one cool scene where this older couple out in, in rural Norway, they're sitting there having their tea and all of a sudden you hear like a thud and a thud. And then they do the Jurassic Park thing where you get uh, the impact tremors rippling in the liquid in the, the cup of tea. Uh, very much reminiscent of Jurassic Park. And and then this troll just walks over their house and, and inadvertently hits part of it and just destroys it and leaves this massive footprint that they come to investigate later. And, and seeing Nora down in the footprint, very reminiscent of, of some of the things you saw in like almost every iteration of King Kong movies. But they leave from there. We've got this, this group of kind of, it's an odd collection of of heroes you've got nora you've got the aide to the prime minister andreas played by kim falk you've got a uh, military captain captain christopher holm played by mads pedersen and then we have a reconnection with with nora and her father tobias tideman uh, again played by guard eidsvold and they played that there's uh, been a rift between them for quite some time 
Her mother died as a child, and it was just her and her father. They're very close. But his belief in trolls and folklore and fantasy, he's obviously, uh, or, or apparently I should say, a professor in folklore and myth and fairy tale of, of Norway. And he kind of got consumed with that so much that he was labeled a labeled crazy and put into an institution for the longest time. And this drove a, a wedge between him and Nora. So they haven't spoken in probably 10, maybe even more years, 10, 15 years, I'm guessing. I don't know if they really ever say exactly how long it has been since they've spoken last, but but there is a, a divide between these two characters. But they all uh, are, are together as this group or this ragtag group of heroes trying to, to solve the problem of what is this? Is this a troll? What can they do about it? And and there's a really cool scene where they follow these footprints by helicopter and they land and they're looking around and Tobias and Nora are speaking kind of on this mound or this rocky mound. And all of a sudden in the background, you see this eye open and and the trolls start to wake up and and them running to the helicopter. It was actually quite cool scene. And, and I have to say, uh, this is the first really good look we get at the troll. And I have to admit the I was a little worried about the CG of this. I mean, Troll Hunter, I thought the CG was pretty good. But, you know, was this going to have that that same quality? I mean, the trailers all looked good, but, you know, the trailers cherry-pick the scenes they want. But I have to say, for the most part, I was quite impressed with the CG. The CG, probably 90, 95% of the time, worked really well for me. And it looked really natural. And, and they did a really good job with the color grading and making this feel like it's a part of the environment in, in a lot of these shots. So, so I was really happy with... And the creature design for the, the troll was was really cool. I mean, it looked very elemental and rocky and earthy. And uh, there's aspects of it that look humanoid, but it's a very natural, like a beard that's more like roots and stuff. Uh, it, you know, I, I really dug uh, the look of this and the way it fit into the environment of the movie. I thought they did a fantastic job with that. But that's kind of where... This movie kicks into a higher gear is we have the revelation that this is a troll and it wasn't a big revelation. I mean, you saw this troll. You're not going to have a movie called Troll and not have a giant troll in it. And of course, they even showed the giant troll in the trailers. So it wasn't a big surprise that this is happening, but uh, they come back and they confirm all this with the government that this is what we have and how do we deal with it? And the rest of the movie all plays out with how do you stop this thing? The government wants to handle it militaristically. And that was kind of interesting too. I, I thought it was interesting how they handled the military aspect because we're so used to seeing how military handles things in American films, uh, the way the American military would handle it. And I know Michael Bay is a big proponent of the military and he goes to great efforts i know like within the transformers movies when they're scrambling air jets and things like that you know he got military people to oversee that and make sure it was military accurate uh, so you know in in movies especially nowadays you really get pretty good accurate portrayals of how military operations work to to a degree to a degree that they'll 
allow you to know that. Uh, so you're used to seeing that here in the States. Uh, to be able to see that sort of militarization in in a foreign film, like, uh, you know, the, the military of Norway. It, it was just interesting to see how different but similar it is to, to how things operate here in the United States. Uh, maybe nobody else gave a shit about that, but I found that quite interesting. But they had this big first military conflict with the troll and it goes just about as uh, well as a fart in a church. It doesn't go over well at all. And uh, this is the scene where I, I thought they really kind of jumped the gun on it uh, because we have the Tobias Tiedemann character killed off in this. And that's probably one of the bigger spoilers of this. But you had to see it coming. And just before that, they really kind of have, he and Nora have this very rushed reconciliation. And I, I liked that story arc. I liked the fact that there is a, a strained relationship between this father and daughter that were once very close. And I, I liked the little bits we got when they were reunited and working together. I like those little moments where they got to talk about the rift that they've had between the two of them. I just don't think we got enough of that to really get the emotional weight of him dying. And we didn't really get a sense of any sort of like real reconciliation. We didn't get a sense of any real, not remorse, but like, you know, a... Not to say he had to die like some big hero's death, although he was trying to do what ultimately needed to be done with with this troll to to stop the carnage that was going on because of it. Uh, but yeah, I just I felt the whole uh, story arc was just so truncated that it just didn't have the emotional weight that it needed to have when they finally did kill him off. I'm okay that they did that. I just wish they would have waited and gave you a little more between these two characters to make the pain of... And they didn't even play into the pain of, you know, he died before they could really resolve things. I mean, that would have been even more interesting. Uh, you didn't get too much emotional baggage to carry with with either one of these characters. I think if they would have focused a little more on the characters and a little less on the bigger picture, big budget military taking on a giant monster aspect of this, I think it would have been a little more interesting. But from there on out, it is pretty much just... Uh, the military trying to figure out what to do, the government trying to figure out what to do, the monster wreaking havoc, so to speak, as it makes its way slowly to Oslo, the capital of Norway. Uh, but there are some interesting aspects of this along the way that aren't the military stuff. They really dive into the folklore and the myth and the fairy tales that are trolls. Uh, Nora reads a lot of her father's work, who is an expert in all this, and linking between the fantasy and the reality of it all. And, and that's one of the things, I mean, it's not reinventing the wheel. I mean, we've seen this time and again, where you have a creature in a movie that is based on folklore and fairy tale, and they discover that the folklore and fairy tale is a hyperbolic look 
at these creatures and that while it may not be exactly how the creatures were, it's based in some sort of truth about these creatures. And, and that's what we find out with trolls. All the myth about trolls, it is based on a kernel of truth. Trolls turning to stone in sunlight. Well, these trolls have been walking around during the day, but then they pose the question, well, we haven't seen them in direct sunlight. And it goes to re be revealed that it's the UV rays that turn the trolls to stone. I, I thought that all that stuff was kind of interesting. Uh, the fact that trolls are not Christianized and they can smell Christian blood and hunt out Christian blood. And a lot of that seemed in fairy tales to be a commentary on the Christianization of Norway. And they even speak to that a lot in this. Uh, there's fairy tales about trolls attacking churches. And it wasn't a fact of the... Uh, churches being Christian churches, it was a fact that the trolls didn't like the church bells ringing and, and trolls, they hate that sound. So there was a lot of really interesting exposition on it. And I'm not a big fan of just blatant exposition, but in things like this, where it's talking about interesting things like translating the fantasy and the fairy tale into what is the reality of it, that, that was all very kind of interesting to me. I wish they could have focused a little more on that and not so much the military ops involved in taking on this troll. I think that would have been a more interesting movie. Not to say this is a bad movie, but I can't talk about the good without pointing out some of the, the missteps. And, and speaking of the bells, they did have a scene where they fly in these helicopters with uh, these giant church bells hanging from them. And they're flying around this troll who, who found a theme park. And I don't think you can have a giant monster movie without a theme park scene. It seems like almost all of them have a, a giant theme park uh, scene with a, with a giant monster movie. Even Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was a theme park, and you have the T-Rex in the theme park like uh, concession area. And this was a troll-themed theme park that this giant troll was running through. So it, it felt very much a nod to Jurassic Park and, and other monster movies where they end up showing up at the theme park. Uh, Jaws 3D uh, showed up at a, a water park. So that was kind of a, a callback to something. There was a scene where they're circling these helicopters with these bells hanging from them around the troll. And it very much, there were some shots that looked like it was taken straight from Kong Skull Island where the helicopters are, are flying around him uh, before he just unloads on all of them. But speaking uh, about that real quick, there was an interesting scene that I think we'll kind of talk about uh, a little bit more about the ramifications of it. But uh, you've got this troll and he's attacking these helicopters and this one helicopter is spinning out of control and going towards the crowd and there's this little boy that we've seen in a couple scenes and his dad rushes to cover him up because this helicopter is coming right for him and then the troll grabs this out of control helicopter and keeps it from smashing the little boy and his father so it, it really spoke to the fact that you know, these trolls, or, or this troll in particular, might not be as evil as it's being portrayed, or maybe it's being a little more misunderstood. But that was an interesting little bit to add to this whole theme park scene, and, and, and I loved seeing this theme park scene because I don't know whether that was intentional, you know, a little homage to the monster movies that, that came before, the giant monster movies that came before, or if it's just blatantly ripping them off. I, I don't know. 
I'd like to think that this, like I said, this movie is very self-aware, not to the point where it's like scream, but it's very aware of itself and it's not taking itself too serious. So I think that it probably was more of an homage sort of situation. There was another aspect I thought was really interesting is that uh, the reason why this troll is making its way to Oslo because the royal castle, of course, given Nora's father's work, there's some clues that lead to the royal castle in Norway. And we find out that it was an old custom back in you know thousands of years ago that uh, it was good luck to build your castle on the site of an old castle and then we find out through a, a character that's introduced late that had no real reason to talk about other than this character just uh, helps drive the plot forward uh, a little bit further and gives us some much needed exposition to find out why this is going on but the castle uh, the royal castle in Norway is built on the old castle of the troll king and we find out that this troll that we have been experiencing is the old king of the trolls and that's why he's coming to Oslo and we get a little bit of a a story about how this all happened about how the the people of old fought the trolls they used the troll king's uh, child as bait to lure him into this uh, mountain in Dovre which is that that was the initial mountain that exploded at the beginning of the movie and then trapped him there uh, it was a really interesting story and I almost wanted to see that movie more than this. Not like, again, not that I didn't like this movie, but that really seemed like an interesting movie to see these people thousands of years ago fighting these trolls and trapping this troll king. I mean, that that's a movie I want to watch. I want to see that prequel movie. So hopefully all goes well. Maybe we'll get to see that sometime in the future. But but at any rate, they use a you know a skull of a, a, a baby troll to to lure the, the troll away from Oslo before the military uses a top secret experimental uh, missile that uh, is going to essentially obliterate the city of Oslo. Uh, they're kind of implying, they don't say nuclear weapon, but they're kind of implying nuclear weapon, but they're going to, to level Oslo just to take out this troll and they've evacuated the city, but, uh, but our heroes are, are trying to keep that from happening. So they lure the troll away from Oslo and ultimately to its final demise, which it, it was really kind of very reminiscent of King Kong. I, I hate keep going back to that, uh, but this movie is very much like the old King Kong and Godzilla movies. Anybody I've heard talking about this uh, says the same thing, and I, I'm sure we're probably all sound like we're uh, talking from the same copy points, but you can't watch this movie and not see King Kong and Godzilla in it. Uh, even like I said, a lot of Jurassic Park references. But it's it's a situation at the end of this movie where you almost feel sorry for the monster. And, and that's one of the themes of this movie is that humans are bad, government is bad, the monster is the really misunderstood good guy, and is only acting out because we have driven him to that. Kong did that, Godzilla did that, and it really made this creature very sympathetic at the end. And it is at the very end that, that Nora realizes this, that he's just the last of his kind, or at least so we think, 
and that he's just trying to exist and we keep attacking it. We keep trying to to do things to it and just angering it when he just wants to to be left alone. And so it, it does kind of have a, a, a bittersweet ending to it until we get that mid-credit scene where you're under the mountain in, I believe it's probably Dovra, and you see a pile of rock that explodes and you hear the roar of what is obviously another troll. So Troll 2, I don't know whether we're going to see it. It just depends on how well this movie does as to whether Netflix will greenlight another one. I would like to see a sequel to this. I think it would be interesting to see this fall into the realm of where we were at Troll Hunter, because at Troll Hunter, trolls were already existing. They were common knowledge, and they were being contained by the government. Uh, it would be interesting to see all this as like a prequel to that. Uh, not a not a direct correlation, but because you know it's it's made by different people. But it would be cool to see if we got to that point and how we would get there. Uh, I think there's a lot of ground you could cover with a sequel to this, so I'm I'm kind of interested to see that. Also, like I said, I think I would like to see a prequel. I would like to see those ancient men a thousand years ago battling this troll, these trolls. You know, we get to see the. Hall of the Troll King, and it's just full of troll skulls and bones. So there were there were many of them. It, it would be interesting to see that kind of movie. Whether we'll get that, I don't know. But ultimately, like I said, I did enjoy this movie. This movie did have its faults, but it also had a lot of good things going for it. I really liked the acting. I thought the actors were really good. I thought uh, Kim Falk. Uh, as Andreas, the the assistant to the prime minister and kind of Nora's uh, right-hand man and all this was not intentionally... I mean, he was funny, but it wasn't like jokes funny. It wasn't like, here, we're going to write a joke and he's going to say the punchline sort of funny. It was just in the way he acted awkward. He was a very awkward, nerdy guy. Uh, I loved his relationship, although we didn't get much of it. Uh, the Sigrid character, she is a computer specialist in the, the military and kind of his girl inside. But whenever they pass each other, they give the, the little Vulcan sign. And, uh, you know, they're big Star Trek nerds. He keeps talking about this book he's writing about a monk who can rip his own head off and throw it at people. And so he can bite them and use his, tear his fingers off and use them as darts. It's ridiculous. But there again, that's almost something I want to see. I, maybe maybe Netflix could do a little little special with that monk. I don't know. But uh, but his character is just quirky and awkward enough that it's, it's very funny uh, without trying to be funny. Uh, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. And, and with him, the Andreas character, he's the character you got a lot of the references, especially he's constantly making Star Trek references. And that's one of the things I kind of liked about this. They were constantly making references to Star Trek. Uh, they were making references to Godzilla. I don't know if they made a King Kong reference, but uh, Jurassic Park references. So many references in what they did in the movie, but even verbal references like i said andreas constantly uh giving the vulcan uh, v sign uh with the uh, sigrid always making star trek references the old couple that have their house destroyed their dog is named solo 
Uh, I have to imagine that's a Han Solo reference. As a huge Han Solo fan, I'm taking it as such. Uh, so I, I really liked a lot of the references they had in this movie as well. It was it was kind of made it fun to watch. But the Andreas character was a big part of a lot of those uh, references. But another character I really liked, I really liked the Christopher Holm character, the captain in the military and his work. Uh, you know, he was the strong, macho, you know, military cowboy going in to save the day. But uh, I, I'm glad they didn't even really hint at a relationship. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that route because in an American film, he and Nora would have been in love by the end of this movie. They didn't even touch that. Uh, there were moments where I thought they might, but they didn't. And I'm, I'm glad they held off on that. They're not every movie has got to be a GD love story or have to deal with who's banging who or whatever. But I liked his character. I would have liked to seen him with and a lot of these characters. I just wanted to see more of them. I wanted to see more of Nora and her father. Uh, I wanted to see more of Andreas and Sigrid. I wanted to see more of Nora and Captain Holm. I wanted to see these relationships focused on a little more and less with the government and military operations aspect of this movie. I mean, the movie was only about an hour and 40 minutes just slightly over an hour and 40 minutes long, uh, which is, uh, for me, that's kind of short for a Netflix film. Usually they're they're a little bit longer. Uh, it, it didn't feel like an hour and 40 minutes. It felt like it was a lot faster. It went a lot faster than that. Uh, just because you didn't get, I don't think, as much time as as you probably could have used with these characters to get these, know these characters. You know, when you get giant monster movies, these kaiju movies, the focus is on the human aspect of it more than the monsters, which I think is a detriment to a lot of these movies, the Godzilla movies, the Kong movies. But in this case, uh, I wanted to see a little more on the troll. I wanted to focus a little more on the troll. And the, the troll lore, I think, was fascinating stuff to get into. But I also could have used a little more of the interpersonal relationships between these uh, these main handful of characters that I don't think you got. You got too much procedural stuff and meetings with the prime minister and the military experts. And uh, I think that kind of took me away from what I was really interested, the troll and the main characters. But ultimately, as I've said, I, I did enjoy this movie for, for all of its faults and all the things that I wish they would have done a little different. I it wasn't that I didn't like what they did. Uh, I was happy with the end result of this. I was happy with this uh, being just a fun, giant monster movie. And that was enjoyable. And I like the fact that they left it open-ended enough that we could see a sequel if the powers that be at Netflix uh, so see fit to bequeath us with. But I enjoyed the acting. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to it in the the original language with the subtitles because there you get a better sense of the acting. Uh, and the acting, I felt, was really good. With the voiceovers, actually the voiceovers they did with this, uh, the voiceover actors they did with this, were a little better than, than some of the usual ones Netflix has. Uh, there are some that just, I'm like, oh my God, this this voice again? And they they can't 
act out of a wet paper bag. But this, I was quite happy with a lot of the voices. I think they fit the characters. Uh, the The voice for Tobias was a little like one note, quirky, crazy old guy that you get in a lot of these overdubbed movies. But like I said, for the most part, the overdubbing wasn't even that bad. But if you want a true sense of the great job the actors did, uh, listen to it at least for a little bit in the original language so you can get that. But I enjoyed the acting. Uh, I enjoyed the story for the most part. I mean, like I said, uh, there are some things I wish the storytelling devices, I wish they would have done a little differently. Uh, there are characters I, I wish they would have paid a little more attention to and less in the big blockbuster actiony aspects of this movie but ultimately i did enjoy the story uh some of the dialogue especially early on was a little uh little eye rolly and cringy but for the most part uh I, I could look past that because one this is a beautifully shot movie i mean just the landscapes of norway and the mountains and and all of these beautiful locations just are, are stunning to look at, uh, but they they shot it beautifully, and the CG work with this troll I thought was was pretty good, especially with the color grading and making this uh, CG character feel a part of the landscape. That's the that's one of the biggest problems with CG these days is they rush through things and they make half-assed decisions, and CG just doesn't feel like it's a part of the environment. And that is the key to CG, is making it feel like it is a part of the environment. So I, I got to tip my hat to the people that worked on the special effects, the, the visual effects, the special effects, the CG work. It was all just done really well, and I was quite pleased with that. And and a tip of the hat to Aurora uh, Uthog for directing and, and co-writing this, because I thought he did a really good job of putting together... Uh, a really fun, action-packed, giant monster movie. I wish it was a little less Hollywood action, giant monster movie, but it was still quite enjoyable, to say the least, in spite of any faults it might have. And like I said, you, you get some themes, but nothing that's ever really too preachy. Uh, you get the mention of global warming. You get the mention of the Christianization of, uh, of Norway. You get the protesters, you know, not wanting you to drill into the land and save the mountain and things like that. Uh, some, some environmental issues that are touched on. You definitely get the humanity is the real monster, uh, that sort of thing. But but you get that. That's like standard fare for, for any giant monster movie or, or kaiju movie. So you get a lot of these themes that are, are touched on, but they don't really dwell on any of that. Other than the, the fact that, that man is the monster and the monster is just a misunderstood creature that is just trying to exist like us. And I think that is probably the most important theme. If you're going to go with a, a theme for a giant monster movie, even though it's been done to death, uh, that is really kind of the theme to go for. Uh, one day I'd like to see a giant monster movie where I don't have to feel sympathetic towards the monster and it can just be a bad guy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that either, but this wasn't that movie. And in the vein of monster movies like Godzilla, Jurassic Park, King Kong, it really fell in line with, with a lot of those greats. And and I, I like now that Norway has their Godzilla, they have their King Kong, they have their, their giant monster 
that uh, hopefully we'll get to see more of in the not-too-distant future. So there you have it. That's my look at the new Netflix film, Troll. I, I enjoyed it. It was, like I said, a fun, giant monster movie. And you really can't ask for much more than that. And it looked really good, and it was acted re- very well. And it had some faults. It had some plot holes and things of that nature, or some things that didn't make sense. But but I could really look past all that just because I was enjoying the time I was having watching this, which for the hour and 40 runtime, uh, it went by pretty quick. So I encourage you, if you haven't checked out Troll on Netflix, got to give it a watch. Check it out. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Netflix's Troll. Please check us out. Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We're always posting trailers and articles to the latest info on what's going on with horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I always try to add my two cents in there as well. And you can also check us out on Instagram. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please subscribe to it follow it, like it, do whatever you have to do, Uh, stay on top of it. Please download the episodes, share the episodes with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Share the links, and please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate it. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!